So if you have a Bible, and it's always good to bring a Bible to, to church, whether it's a paper one or a remote one, I, I prefer paper, because the battery never, never dies on these. Um, if you can find John's Gospel in chapter 7, 7, 7, 7, uh, 7 17. John's Gospel. Okay, now before we get stuck into um, the chapter, I want to kind of build give a bit of a, a build-up, and it's quite a long build-up because the build-up starts from creation to the chapter we're going to look at today. So we're not, you know, I've, I've been told we need to be done by um, half past half past three. My mother-in-law is cooking us dinner as well, so I've been told that we can't be late. Um, so we will be done. But we, so we're going to cover creation very quickly, creation to this to this chapter very quickly. So who knows that God has got a plan? Good. That's a good start. So the plan that God created, when God created the, uh, created the world, created um, mankind, he created mankind with a purpose that we would know him and that he would be known to mankind. But sin came into the world, didn't it? And sin broke that, broke the, um, sin separated the relationship between man um, and God. And almost uh, immediately after sin came into the world, God's plan started. God said to, um, to Adam and to, and, to, and, to, and, to, and to Eve that the serpent would be crushed, the enemy would be crushed. And then history went on and God chose a nation, Israel, that would be a nation that would know God and that would be known by him and that they would be a light to other nations so that other nations would know God. And then these centuries went on and then people started to bring prophecies and started to say some things. When, when David was the, the king, that um, um, uh, it was said that David would have somebody from his uh, descendants that would be, have um, a kingdom, would be an eternal kingdom, an everlasting kingdom. Isaiah said that there will be a man who would die for the punishment for the sin of, of, um, of others. Psalm um, says that the, the man would rise from the dead. Isaiah said that God's spirit will be poured out on people and there will be good news preached, there will be broken hearted, that will be healed, that prisoners would be, would, be, would be free. And the centuries went on. And then a man came into the world that was a bit strange. He wore a shepherd, uh, he wore a camel's, a camel's coat. He started the bush took a challenge by eating locusts and, and weird kind of, kind of things. And, he's, and he, when he went around, he pointed to a, to a man that was down by the river and he says, look, there is the man, behold the man who will take away the sin of the world, the man who will be the lamb that will die for the world. And then Jesus came on the scene. And then Jesus started to perform all kinds of signs and miracles and wonders. And we'll be looking at those signs over the over previous, previous, previous weeks. Now, one of the things that we talked about, we looked at the same things in the, in the youth. And one of the things we always talked about when it was a sign is that the big event wasn't about the event itself. That when Jesus performed a miracle, it wasn't all about that one particular event, but that event was then a sign to point to something else, something about Jesus that was going to be coming, somebody who, about, to reveal something about who Jesus was. So we've got that whole history in less than five, five minutes, which I think was not, wasn't, wasn't bad. And then we come, to the, we come to the chapter, and in verse one, Jesus looked to heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Do you know, I think there's such power in those words. Jesus said, Father, now the time has come. 
that the whole culmination of what history had been building up to it, up to this, uh, to the point of the time when God promised that the, the enemy would be crushed. Up until this time, God's plan was working out, and Jesus says, "Now is the hour when all this is going to come together." Jesus, in the next coming, in the coming days, would go to the cross and would would pay the penalty, would die for the punishment for the sin that we deserve. He would rise from the dead. All these prophecies that were spoken about over centuries was going to be fulfilled in Jesus. But he said, now the time has come. So Jesus was coming to re-establish what God's original purpose was, which was... That mankind would know God and that mankind would be known in the world as well. That's the purpose. That was the plan that God, that God, that God, that God had was to restore the relationship that, that, was one, that was once perfect but then was broken. Jesus came to restore that and he says, now, Father, the time has come. And then Jesus, we're not, we're not going to look, we're not going to read the whole of the chapter. It's quite a, uh, quite a, long, a long chapter. Um, but Jesus basically prays for three, for three things. He prays in the first part for himself. The second part he prays for his disciples. And then in the third part, he prays for all believers. Now, when you, when you read the chapter, I can imagine when Jesus came to that, to that part, it was like looking out over all the centuries that were becoming ahead. And Jesus was seeing us. When, he was, when Jesus was praying for all people that will be believers, I believe Jesus was no, he knew us. And he was thinking about us. So when Jesus was, was praying for all these people that will be believers, he was thinking about you. He was thinking about me. He was thinking about us. Now, so we're not, we're not going to look through the whole of the... Um, the the, uh, the the chap the chapter, but there is there is a thread which runs through the chapter, and that that thread is what I want to talk about. And the thread, if you read through the chapter, there's a word that keeps coming up time and time again, and that's the word glory. And that's what I want to look at today. Now, when you look at the word glory, glory is one of those those words that you use in church, and you think, what does what is glory? What it's like. It's such a common word that we use, but do we really know what what it is? But I think that's because it means different kind of things. Glory can refer when refer, refer to heaven itself. Speaking about glory, speaking about heaven itself. It can also speak about the weight that you that is put upon upon somebody, um, something that is seen in somebody or or a thing that causes you to praise and causes you to worship. It, um, it may be, in a, in a practical sense, it may be that if you're in the countryside, if you like countryside, or top of the mountain, and you see a, you see a view, you say, that's a glorious view, because something within you rises up thinking, I'm just inspired by what I see before him. That's, kind of, that's another aspect of glory. But the bit about glory that I want to look at, and there's a man with a, big, with a much bigger brain than I am, named Wayne, uh, Wayne Gruden, Bible, a Bible teacher, and he says that the glory of God is the visible manifestation of the excellence of God's character. You can take that one over if you want. 
the glory of God is the visible manifestation of the excellence of God's character. That is the glory that Jesus refers to when he's praying. And we're going to look at that, um, look at the glory, um, and we're going to use our old, our old friend, and we've, heard, we've used this, heard this over the last couple, couple of years. Uh, next slide then, Joel. And we're going to look at glory as our God do. Is that familiar? Yes. I was hoping someone would bring out the pineapples and the shaking trees. We've heard, we've heard, we've heard this, this spoken about. This is talking about who we are, what we've got, and what we do. So when I look at, I want to look at glory in the sense of who we are, what we've got, and what we do. Okay, so who we are. Now, if you read through the, the, the chapter, there's something that Jesus prays time and time again, and four times he prays that the disciples or the followers of Jesus would be one as he and the Father are one. In verse 11, it says, Jesus is praying, says that they may be one as we are one. In verse 20, 20, 20, uh, 20, uh, 22, they may be one as we are one. Um, next, the, uh, the, next, uh, the, uh, the next verse, uh, verse says that may they be brought to complete unity. Now, unity, when we speak about unity, isn't the fact that we all think the same way, dress the same way, and do the same things. If we did that, we'd all be supporting Liverpool. Am I right, Rita? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> but also, we'd all be posting by breakfast time what our Wordle score was for the day. If we were united, now I, don't, I support Liverpool, I'm a big fan, I don't do Wordle, can't stand it, can't get my head around it. If you like it, bless you. Um, but that yeah, unity doesn't, doesn't mean that we have to do everything in the same way, and I think that is, that is, that is great. But Jesus gives an indication as to what, what unity is and how it's applied in verse, in verse 20. This is when Jesus is praying for believers. And he says that my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through the, through the message, that they may be one as we are one, Father, just as I'm in you and you in me. May they also be in us. May they also be in us. Just think about that. Jesus has this perfect relationship with his Father. And, it's, and, it's, and we, we read times when Jesus is relating to his father in the, in the Gospels and you just see there's, there's such a close connection, there's such a love for one another, such an honouring of one another between the son and the father. And we get invited into that relationship. You've been invited to partner with the father and the son in that relationship because that's what we've been created for we've been created for relationship with the father and we've been invited into that relation that's i think that's unity so much so much so much more but i think the aspect that jesus is talking about here when he says that may they be one as we are one he's saying i want these people to be 
with us. He want, I want us in the club. I want us in that friendship group. I want, us, I, want us, I want these people to have that, to be involved in the relationship that we have together, that they can benefit, contribute, but also to receive from that relationship. You know, sometimes in the, in the, Western, the, West, uh, the, uh, the Western world, we're so much about thinking things through and having enough knowledge before we make decisions. And when it comes to, comes to, to faith, you know, people can say, well, once I've explored it, I'm not saying that we shouldn't explore things, I'm, you know, I think we should. Um, but people think, once I've got enough knowledge, once I know all the answers, then, you know, maybe I'll give this thing a go. I mean, we did, a, we did an alpha, led an alpha once, and there was a lady, Mandy, who was on the, the course, and um, she was really seeking. She, was wanted, she wanted to be a Christian, I think, but she didn't come from a Christian background. She didn't have a lot of knowledge about the Bible and church and what we, what we get up to. But I think she really wanted to become a Christian. And I mean, in one of, the, one of the sessions, she was saying, do you know what? I just don't know. I, just, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know anything. I don't know about all the stories from the Bible. I don't know about Genesis and these strange names and characters from all those years ago. I just, I just don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's relevant to me. But then we talked about what being a believer was. And it's not about knowing stuff. It's about having a relationship with the Father, because of Jesus, and the rest of it may come. I was just like, okay, and we gave a life to Jesus. Because knowledge isn't what, we, isn't what we need to be gathering before we can make enough information. Jesus came to show us what the Father was like. So we have this, this relation. This is, what we're, this is what we are created for. We're created to know the Father. And we get invited into this relationship. Now, obviously, there is a, a unity that needs to be worked out in that. And the Bible, in other, uh, other parts of the Bible, it talks about what unity looks like, that we, we honour one, 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 one then another. And you know, honour is, is one of the main values of the, of the church here. So, you know, you, look, you want to know what, what honouring somebody is like. You look at how Jesus and the Father related, and you get invited into that and replicate that to others you know, one of the one of my favourite one of my favourite verses um, when we think about others, um, Hebrews ten verse twenty twenty uh, twenty uh, twenty uh, four. It says that we are to consider how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Now that's very creative because you can get quite creative in that. It's not just about giving someone a hug around the shoulder and saying you're a good man, as Wendy did this morning. I received that. Um, it could be that, you know, thinking about other creative ways. If you're a creative person, what creative ways can you do? So I, I want to honour that, that person. I want to encourage that, that person. What can I do creatively to, to do that, to spur, to, spur, um, to spur them on? So honouring one another um, is really key. So this is who we are. This is who you are, that you've been... Brought into participating in the relationship between the Father and the Son. That is who you are. Relationship first. That's what you've been created for. The next part, God. I love this bit. Verse 22. Jesus says, 
I have given them the glory that you gave me. Let's that one sink in. The glory that Jesus had in revealing the Father to the disciples and to the world, this, that definition of glory we had before, a visible, it's a visible thing, revealing the character of God. That's what Jesus did. He came to reveal God to mankind. That glory has been gifted to you. It's a gift, which means that you haven't earned it. It means you don't really deserve it. But God gives it to you anyway. At the start of the gospel, Jesus, uh, Jesus, Jesus said that no one, um, sorry, John, John, uh, John said about, about Jesus, says, no one has ever seen God, but God the one and only, i.e. Jesus, who is at the Father's right hand, has been made known. So Jesus came to reveal what the Father was like, what God is like. Now, sometimes people will say to me, or say, you know, they'll, uh, uh, they'll say to us, if only I could see God, then I might believe in him. Well, great, you've got your answer now. Have a look at Jesus. Problem solved. Job done. Jesus reveals the Father. Jesus has come to show us what God is like. And the glory of that has been given to us. So we can, sometimes we can, we can get all guilt-ridden, can't we? Because we don't share our faith every single day. We haven't got people queuing up at the door to the houses to, be, to become, become Christians. And we can say, oh, I'm not, I'm not a good Christian. I've not told anybody today that I'm a believer. Wah, wah, wah. It's not about doing stuff and making us feel guilty because the glory, when we receive the glory that Jesus had, then the rest will come. People will start to see a difference in you. The last um, few weeks in um, Nuneaton, a few of us have been going out on a, on a Saturday, so Saturday is the, is the, market, is the market day. And some of us have been going out into the town just to, just to pray around the town. Now, if anybody gets opportunities to share the faith with somebody, that's, that's, that's all great. But the purpose isn't going out right. Who, how many people are you going to speak to today? How many, how many healings are you going to do today? And you're not going to come back until you've got somebody saved. Yeah, we, we don't do that. But we say we just want to receive the glory of God. We just want to receive his presence upon us. So when we're out praying... That makes that in itself will make a difference to the town. Because we're there receiving the gift that God has given to us, and we're just out there praying. Now, fortunately, some people will get opportunities to pray when we open ourselves to receive God's presence upon us. It's not about performance on our part. It's about allowing God's presence to be upon us, and then change will come through that. That's the point I wanted to make. And then the third and final part of the agadu, how's that do? Is the do, doing the do. So when Jesus was talking to his, praying for his, his disciples in verse um, 18, he says, so this is Jesus praying. He says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So we know who we are, that we've been brought into this relationship with the Father. 
we know what we've got, that Jesus has given us the glory. We just need to go. We need to go. We need to go. And that's something that, again, we've been talking about a lot within the church. It's not about this Sunday meeting, even the great as they are. Actually, it's about what we do in the rest of the week. That is, that's where the stuff, that's where the stuff happens. We've been sent to show God's glory as we receive his glory. We, we then go to share and to reflect his glory with others. It's a great, a great quote that I found that says, Biblical mission is driven by God's will to be known as God. That's what biblical mission is, is, being, is about. Not about doing, uh, putting on events. Not about making things really glamorous and really flash. It's about God's will is to be known as God. That's what we're being called to do. That's what we're being called to, to, called to go in, is to take his glory. There's a great um, prophecy from Habakkuk 2 and verse 14. It says, For the, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Another part of the plan of God is that the whole earth will be known, will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God, that all nations would be impacted by the gospel of Jesus. Nations would be changed, communities would be changed because the people of God, with the glory of God, go and do. So I think the only way that we can really respond to this, or the only way that I think we can respond to this, um, is to receive his glory today. So, can I invite us to stand? If you're able, please stand, stand with us. And Jesus is getting really personal now because Jesus is praying for us here in this, in this, in this chapter. And I want us to receive um, Jesus' prayer for us today. Jesus says to us today, I have given you my glory. So just start to think about what does that look like in your life? If that definition of glory that we looked at right at the start about the manifestation, the visible manifestation of the excellence of God's character, if that was really seen in your life, what does it look like? Just start to think about your workplace, or your school, or your college, or your families, or the school gate. If God's glory showed up there, what does it look like? Well, I could just, just together, let's just, let's just, just, just pray and ask Jesus to give you this glory and how you would love to see that glory manifest. Just start to pray together now. Just, yes, as we're together, just
just start to pray about what it looks like for you. Glory of God. Glory of God. Changing classrooms. Changing a toxic atmosphere in offices. Speaking to those neighbours that are, are grieving. Speaking to that family that struggle to relate together. What does the glory of God look like? How does it impact? How is it impacting you? Jesus. Your glory come, Jesus. Thank you, 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 Jesus. Glory come, Jesus. Your glory come, Jesus. Come in this place, Jesus. Come upon us now, Jesus.